0: This is the CineSnob Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 131 of the CineSnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Yeah. Cody, we've been off for a couple weeks. I don't remember the last movie we talked about. Here we are again. Oh, yeah, it was Fast and Furious with uh, the Hobbs and Shaw. Ah, yes. So that was kind of our, our first uh, taste of the doldrums of summer, and I think we're pretty firmly in it right now
0: yeah i would say so i think from here on out it's gonna be the um like the second to third tier summer movies
1: yeah the the stuff that that you've uh like this uh the the stuff that you've may have heard of the stars you've heard of but like you've what's this movie about
0: yeah finishing the olympus has fallen trilogy or whatever
1: yeah uh i never saw the uh um the the second Film was that London has fallen. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't seen it either. I, I, you know, I remember when Olympus has fallen. It came out, of course. That's with the uh, Gerard Butler, and I don't remember who else was in that other than um, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, and who was the the woman? Uh, Melissa Leo. Oh uh, yeah, and my favorite thing in that fucking movie because it was uh, that was the same like the same year that White House Down came yes. out. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and. and I thought both of them are are not good movies, but Olympus Has Fallen is a way better bad movie than White House Down because it is batshit crazy. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene where I I don't know what cabinet member (laughs) Melissa Leo was playing, but she's getting dragged by a terrorist by her hair. Mm-hmm. across a floor and is defiantly singing the star spangled banner. <laughs> I remember that. Fuck, it's fucking hilariously funny. Man, I I until you mentioned that I had forgotten
0: about it and then it hit me like a wave <laughs> of just remembering like everyone just cuz I think you were probably still here when that came out and just all oh, of yeah. us just l- cracking up
1: at that. God damn it, that was hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 it was enjoyable because it was so ridiculous. And I think Gerard Butler stabbed like ninety people straight in the skull in that movie too. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, so um, speaking of of summer things that come along, I don't know if that's a good segue or not. <laughs> that was pretty. Well, terrible. it's the segue we got. Fuck me. So uh, we uh, we partook in a late summer tradition that's happened the last few years: a uh, Fathom Events showing of a Rift Tracks live show. mm Hmm. Uh, this year was the giant spider invasion, and you didn't actually make it out to the theater, did you, Cody? For this,
0: I did not. No, I was. Uh, so I still am one of the last holdouts of Movie Pass. You remember <laughs> <laughs> Movie yes. Pass, the uh, the famous one movie a day that became uh, three movies a month that shut down for several months, and then popped back up uh, a couple weeks ago.
1: Oh, wait, it, it was actually shut down? I didn't know that.
0: Oh, yeah, a July 4th weekend, they shut it down completely and said that they needed to do app upgrades uh, <laughs> to make it better. and And that was also, coincidentally, the week that Spider-Man came out, and it remained down until a couple weeks ago when the app returned the same as it was, so there were clearly no app upgrades that happened, um, but uh, earlier in the day on Thursday, it was showing as having the rift tracks thing. So I um, I was like, okay, well, after work, I'll just go by and uh, and go pick up a ticket. And then um, I had to run an errand after work, and then I went over to the theater and pulled it up, and it said no more show times for today. <laughs> and I actually think that it's been shut down since Thursday night because I I checked uh, earlier today and it was shut down for the day. Well,
1: just to to kind of. Touch on what we're talking about here with Rift Tracks. I, I just want to mention that it was a uh, a, an epi- uh, a movie they had previously done in a uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand episode, the Giant Spider Invasion. Who uh, the director of which is an, a man named Bill Rabane who's a very grumpy old Wisconsin man <laughs> who who follows me on Twitter and had some. Uh, you know has about the th- the <laughs> about the uh, same exact thoughts you'd think of a as a that an eighty two year old Wisconsin man would have in the middle of uh this political climate we're in anyway uh but it was a great uh time, and I love that movie in and I love that old episode, so it was fun, but let's get back to movie pass yeah because that's what I really want to talk about so uh in addition to your your kind of whiff on it last Thursday. The information came out, and I don't remember who broke the news, but that I think it was movie business pa- insider. Pro- uh, okay. So uh, that movie pass in its uh, the crush of using it, which of course was I think last spring and summer of 2018, because mm-hmm. it all culminated with Ghost Protocol, not Ghost Protocol. Um, uh, Fallout. Fallout. Yes, the latest Mission Impossible film. It all culminated with that, and that's when it all kind of collapsed. Yes. Um, but the word uh, was it from in from that uh, story is that Movie Pass uh, s- the CEO had instructed the IT team to change people's passwords without telling pre- them. Yeah, right to prevent them from using the app. Uh, right. In an effort to stop bleeding money. Yes. Uh, so
0: th- <laughs> there were two revelations that came from that story. One was that one actually makes sense, which. Because people saw happen, which was there would be like a, I think they called it like a trip wire where um, every time the day's spending would hit a certain amount of money, they would just shut off the service, which again right. was not supposed to happen. It was supposed to be unlimited. Um, but then beyond that and a little bit more sinister, I would say, uh, they, they did start to change e- over users' passwords without telling them so that they were locked out of their accounts so that they could not get back in and then MoviePass's customer service is notoriously horrible. So, um, you know, there's no telling how long people are locked out of their accounts.
1: Yeah, that is, um, you know, you and I have talked about this many, many times uh, amongst ourselves. And I think on this show, just kind of the notorious, uh, reputation that the, that movie got really, really quickly and this this really is is kind of shocking, but then again, it's not surprising whatsoever because yeah. they were you know this was always always a too good to be true deal you know this was basically like your re- your rich relative giving your relative giving you a, a gift card that was filled with money, and you were just trying to take advantage of it until it broke the bank and then you it know, eventually did
0: and and the funny thing about it is that it it's proving not to be too good. Uh, to be true because other companies are picking up the 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 concept and running with it and doing it in a lot better way than MoviePass is doing so they i mean they did pave the way but it i mean you know right now you've got the biggest theater chains in the in the country along with Alamo Drafthouse running their own programs that seem to be working just fine
1: well i what i mean is uh the the kind of bra- uh, bravado they had with it you know this yeah. was uh, um you know, I mean it they was, were overconfident for sure right and it it had some noticeably uh you know glaring things the fact that it was ten dollars a month and the average ticket is about that or more and that they thought that they would be able to leverage that into or leverage their database into to deals with with theater chains and studios etc
0: you know the in in and... The crazy thing about movie pass is that i think under some different circumstances it would have worked i mean i think their price point was way too low and i think that if you would have put that price point at like 30 bucks a month people still would have been pretty happy with that service i think or like between 20 30 a month and i don't think they would have bled as much money as they did but you know they 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 put it out there and it was unsustainable and then the their different forms of uh, income obviously didn't pan, uh, excuse me pan out, and then when they started getting into the business side of things by producing movies, they had one really good movie, and then they had garbage. <laughs> they,
1: they, they, were behind Gotti, right?
0: They were behind Gotti, and they've got some shitty Bruce Willis movie coming out that they're doing. But they also did American Animals, which was a great movie. So I,
1: I you know, I oh know. yeah, that, I liked that one. Um, yeah, it, look, the uh, it was never going to be an outsider's game. I think was probably pretty obvious from the beginning. Like the studios were never going to let an outsider come in and undercut them and, and do whatever they wanted to. Uh, I mean, look, it, it didn't, it didn't hurt them at all, strangely enough. But it, you know, we talked about that too. Like why, why did AMC object? Because, I don't know. I don't know why they objected. I mean, they had just eventually started their own service, which...
0: Well, in, in AMC, I think the latest report said that AMC has like 800,000 subscribers to their service now, you yeah. know? So, I mean, it, it, obviously the, the, there's a market for it, but, you know, like you said, an outsider coming in when AMC could just turn around, or Regal now uh, can just turn around and do their own and take less... And, and I mean, it, it's, I guess it's more of a hit to them because they're getting paid no matter what with the MoviePass because MoviePass is purchasing the ticket... But then you're bringing in more people. They're buying concessions. You're, you know, so, and yeah. You're, and you're getting brand loyalty too. So,
1: right. And, and you know the the uh, there's no kind of crapshoot with with AMC. Like I don't think it. You have one of them, right?
0: I yeah I so I have Regal Unlimited
1: okay and it's never not worked for you right no there's never never been a fucking issue
0: no I've had it for less than a month and I've used it six times (laughs) (laughs) and it's and it's never let me down at all and you know it's every one of them has their drawbacks you know with Regal Unlimited you have if you want to book online ahead of time it's like fifty four cents a ticket to book or um, if you want to upgrade to like uh rpx or a larger format or something like that you have to pay a service fee but other than that it's never been down it's never been difficult to use you can use it as a, at a kiosk um there's no blackout dates you can see movies more than once i mean uh, and, and whereas with movie pass you couldn't see anything more than once um and then with fallout fallout was the first time they started blocking off specific movies and saying you know you can see this movie this weekend but not that one and then they experimented for a while with like five movies a day that were available, and then it would always be stuff in like their second or third week, and you know.
1: Yeah. Well, they they really oversold the service, and I mean, granted, they got a lot of publicity, and I'm sure they got a ton of signups. Oh yeah, but, but in the, the millions. Fact, yeah, but the fact that it 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 didn't <laughs> that it never panned out and it, it didn't work, and and I don't think anything was to blame except for themselves running out of money. It wasn't the theater shutting them out. It wasn't anything else other than people using it too much too much (laughs) the
0: the, yeah the price point was too low i i I truly believe that if the uh, price point was at a better rate um for them that i mean if it wasn't so good for the consumer and bad for the company maybe they would have stayed afloat a little bit better and then you know they were pretty incompetently run it's as it's clear
1: (laughs) oh yeah for 100 percent, it's not been a uh, very good thing to (laughs) to hear about all the shit that's happened there
0: But but I do find it super interesting that the subscription model is working really well for the movies, and I think it's bringing people out. I mean, at Regal, they're advertising it in the in the credits where they want people to sign up for the services. You know, eighteen bucks a month, and you get unlimited movies. And you know, I and I've seen people use it there, and and people are you know coming out more often. And um and yeah, I mean, I think it's a great tool to have. I think it's good to push smaller movies, and I think Regal is actually finding ways to do that by giving bonus points or something for a, a movie and that's easier to do internally um kind of like the conversation we were having about discount weeks you know when when they have their own proprietary subscription service they can you know have put their fingers on you know pushing a certain movie or you know if they see it's not working as well you know you can put bonus points on it or something you know so yeah there there's good incentive
1: yeah, no, I'm I'm totally uh, I I don't was never against the subscription model. I I figured it would always go that way, but the outsider disruption status that uh, MoviePass thought it had, you know, MoviePass thought it it was the next Uber or something else, and then it, it just it so couldn't it, handle the weight.
0: My my thing, and I don't not to spend too much time on it, but my um my my weird thing with the with the theaters getting so up in arms about it was I you know for a while there they were making the money. No matter what, they were getting paid full price for a ticket, regardless of, of of the service or how it was run. I think, you know, what they were saying was they didn't they they didn't want their customers to potentially be drawn away because the their plan was unsustainable. But I don't know that I get. I don't know why they would care if they're making full price on a ticket regardless.
1: I thought it was sort of a um, an idea that that the service was potentially. Um, the idea was that potentially the, the service failing or, or something happening would be passed. The blame would be passed on to them yeah. as being unsustainable because I can see that. And I, I mean, I don't think anyone ever blamed the theater for Movie MoviePass's failings. But, you know, had there been a, a situation where they couldn't get a ticket uh, ahead of time uh, well, because you couldn't buy I'm sorry, you couldn't buy Movie Pass tickets. So you got to the theater. Right. right? You couldn't activate your card. So if they got there and couldn't see a movie because there was no tickets left then maybe that's where it was. I, I don't know. I don't think I think they were unfounded because MoviePass blew itself up in its own face and um yeah. but it you know had it been had it been a little easier to use then and, and more sustainable then maybe something would have happened. But you know the subscri- subscription model is obviously the way everything is going these days. I mean, you can't fucking buy um <laughs> adobe photoshop anymore you have to subscribe to it yeah uh, which yeah. is you know i mean that's that's I a think tool it's the same that way for use. microsoft word too right microsoft office is like that. Uh, i don't know i don't have a a newish uh desktop at home i, I thought have, i uh, saw
0: that for mac for for when i had my mac i was looking at office and i thought i it had a monthly fee or something but maybe it's not. it's
1: totally possible i mean it, it's you know apple music is 10 bucks a month i pay it you know i i don't I've never thought about buying an album again because yep. of it, you know, and, and movie pass, uh, you know, kind of opened the door for this subscription thing. I've, I don't feel like I go enough outside of our press screenings that a subscription is warranted for me. The movie pass thing was great because it was like, Hey, why the fuck not? You know, mm-hmm. you're paying 10 bucks and you could go see 30 movies if you like. But, uh, the, the, the new plans just haven't really appealed to me as a, casual movie goer just because of the the press screenings that we get. But yeah, I, could, I mean, I could totally see like I, if, if I wasn't, I'd get an AMC one. Cause I love the AMC theater by the house here.
0: And that's a great, that's a great one to have. I think there's this three movies a week and apparently they've got a great rewards program. And I think you can see it in any format as well. Yeah.
1: Um, um and you get like priority, uh, concession access there's a separate line oh nice so uh I mean, you know
0: they're doing great stuff and in, in alamo's alamo draft houses they're they're still in beta with theirs but i've heard good mm-hmm. things about their program as well i mean it, it's it just comes down to i think in there and i think they're only going to get better with the competitive nature of every chain having one so they they have incentive to make their programs as good as possible for the consumer and uh and yeah i mean I think I think that you know MoviePass did pave the way for this idea and now these companies are running with it and I'm curious to see how sustainable it is for these companies over long term are they going to start losing money with people like me who again in maybe 3 weeks has gone two to three weeks has gone six times <laughs> you know to the to uh, to a Regal theater well, and I'm seeing stuff that I that that I may have normally not seen that's mainstream that's like hey why not it's the same attitude
1: The the idea though is and has always been for theaters that they don't really make the money off of the tickets they make it off of concessions. Right. Whereas movie pass didn't make money off of anything. anything. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have concessions to sell you and they didn't have anything else. I, I you know, I would I would lament for the death of movie pass had they not been such fucking shady shits. You know. Yeah. That's well, the the real bummer of this whole thing like, oh, you know, Uh, this innovator got quashed like yeah it happens and it sucks but man they were really fucking dirty
0: yeah they treated their customers like shit and i and they didn't particularly care about it and then they would you know they would do things like shut down movies for the day and you would exactly what happened to me has happened to millions of people where you'll drive to the theater because you can't book on the app (laughs) get to the box office and then suddenly the showtimes are gone and so you know, and, and and now they've implemented because what I would use, what I used to do was I I knew that that was going to happen at some point during the day, so I would go down during lunch because I live right down the street from a theater. I would book my ticket in lunch and then go that evening. Now they've put it so where your showtime, you can't book your showtime at the box office uh, more than three hours in advance. So, <laughs> yeah. So. If,
1: After all this, do you
0: still have a subscription? (laughs) I I do. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) (laughs) So here's, I mean, my thing is, the problem with Regal is that there's no indie movies there, and so the Bijou is our theater here, our indie theater, so I'm keeping MoviePass around for, like, Fathom events or Bijou stuff for three a month, and then I can get Regal Unlimited. I'm paying, like, less than 30 bucks a month, which is about what I would pay for this type of service, so Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm already out ahead this month by, like, 30 or 40 bucks.
1: Godspeed to you, Cody.
0: Thank you. I'm gonna be the last holdout. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they're gonna, they're gonna be like, wait a minute, we gotta send this guy a new card because this is actually expired.
0: Shit, I was part of another one that already went belly up. That was even shadier. Which one was I, that one? That was uh,
1: Cinemia. Or... Oh yeah, you had a bit. You had a lot of t- uh, good things to say about that at first.
0: Oh, it was great because it was it was like what MoviePass was supposed to be, but without all the drama. And then they got they got super shady really fast, like. Um, like they were uncanceling people's accounts and stuff. and
1: Oh, MoviePass was doing that too, yeah. wasn't they? Yeah. yeah,
0: they were. It was crazy.
1: <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to reviews.
0: Here are this week's reviews.
1: First up this week, we have Good Boys. Hold it. Come here. What do you have in your pants? My penis. Pull it out. I also have a big dick. Put it back. I'm being generous today.
0: We also have drugs. (gasps) (sighs) He was on to us.
1: Okay, what do you have?
0: Schedule 1 controlled substance with intent to distribute.
1: Brother, these are vitamins, okay? Children's vitamins at that.
0: No, those are drugs.
1: Now look, that's drugs and this is drugs too.
0: If you don't arrest us, I'll report you. Lucas!
1: Leave me the fuck alone! I mean, sorry to fucking swear to kids, but... Fuck. You know, I'm going to arrest you for fucking ruining my day. All right? I'll take them. Let me go home! Now, this is probably one of the first R-rated comedies to come along in a while that's kind of meant for a uh, younger audience, I would say, Cody. Not necessarily for, you know, I mean, obviously these boys are 12-year-olds in the film, or 11-year-olds, whatever they're supposed to be. It's not meant for them, but probably targeted a little more toward teens and, and younger younger adults than something like tag was or, uh, mm-hmm. um, game, game night. night. So, uh, what did you think of good boys?
0: Well, you know, I, 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 it's tough to say because I, I think that it's, it's definitely got, it's like, you, it's got laughs. You can tell that it comes from the, you know, the Seth Rogen, uh, who was a producer the Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg kind of, uh, school of comedy where, uh, it's, it's heavily reliant on cursing children, um you know feel at times feels like a like what a live action South Park type thing um you know I I think that it's a little uneven for me um I think that the kids are all pretty funny pretty good um I, I don't know that there's as many laugh out loud moments as as I think there's meant to be um and I think part of that has to do with I I think the the age of the kids is a little something about it feels a little off. I don't know if maybe they feel younger than they're supposed to be or something like that. Mm-hmm. But but I think there's a sense of like the like they should be less naive than they are at that age. But also, mm-hmm. I, I, I just something didn't track about the age of the kids based in in the conversations that they were having. Like like they were like they're cursing like. Crazy, but don't know what a tampon is. Like I just like something about that was right. You know, you know. So so something wasn't tracking with the age of the kids, and 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 I think that you know the thing that that sort of, um, so I, I see I saw a lot of comparisons to like Super Bad, for example, and the thing that that I think this movie is is on a different tier or a lower tier that that puts it there is movies like Super Bad or um or even something like Booksmart. Or you know so a lot of these like teen comedies, they seem to have this like um, self-contained world that they live in um, where you know in super bad you know there's a little community of, of people that they keep on running into or there's established cliques or there's you know people that uh, that formulate like a, like a little community that you're kind of like living in and inhabiting for 90 minutes. And I feel like Good Boys doesn't quite have that. Um, I don't think that it builds its own world enough to where it becomes like a classic kind of teen or um, kid comedy um in that sense. and i and I, and i and i I feel that that it sort of falters because of
1: that, you know, I, I do agree with you that the naivete of these kids feels a little hard to to take. I, I mean, the the kid that plays Thor Brady Noon is his mm-hmm. name I uh, saw he's been in not much but Boardwalk Empire anyway he feels like kind of the most natural mm-hmm. of like he's the one that's that age um, the the kid named the Lucas um, kid and uh, Max who's Jacob Tremblay they feel like children yeah to me and, and I mean Jacob Tremblay. Talks like a, a little tiny boy. Like he could pass for an eight year old, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And yeah, it does feel a little like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't truly represent what a, a you know, a 12 year old or 13 year old in, I mean, an 11 year old or 12 year old in 2019 would know about the world. Mm-hmm. You know, they, there's a, there's a strange na- naivete to it that I didn't quite buy into. Um, and, you know, the, the like you said, the cursing, the the humor seems to be driven on the cursing, and uh, there is some funny moments of it, but I don't know that it totally feels right. Like it feels like it's being forced. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, um, not not all the way, but it feels a little bit like it's like the 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 joke is this that it's funny that these young boys are cursing like this and. You know, to an extent it is, but to an, another extent, that I would just wish that the the plot was funnier because it, it kind of moves along in this you know uh, the stunted fashion that I don't really think quite explores these these kids' relationship enough. Like they're best friends, and then it's they're you know they have these major differences. Like I assume that uh, you know the the kid Thor is is uh, you know it, it's played almost like he's homosexual but you know hasn't realized it yet. I don't know if you got that read from it from it but
0: mm, not entirely.
1: I mean, I, you know, it, there there's there's these hints of these characters like that that, that don't really seem to go anywhere and then I, I, I don't know. Well, Maybe I don't, I I
0: think a lot of it is seems to be played by watching these kids and then exaggerating the adultness of the situ- situations that they're in um you know particularly with like Jacob Tremblay's character towards the end you know what i mean like uh-huh. there's some stuff that happens or like the like the basement stuff or the the that takes place but i it, like i said i just something about something it's just maybe a weird casting or weird um the way that it's written cuz it feels like there should be like fourth graders right like fourth or fifth graders or something like that like like actual children and not like like preteens i, I yeah. don't,
1: yeah, yeah. It, there's there's definitely something about it that feels like the it doesn't quite like it was written for old, like older kids, but it doesn't feel like it's portrayed. They portray their excuse me that they're portrayed as older kids. Yeah, I, I don't know if that well, makes sense.
0: Yeah, and and I think that too that like, there's some weird set pieces that I don't like. Like like the and it's in the trailer, but it's the it's the scene where they're like running across traffic, which I don't think plays very well um in the movie. <laughs> not not to say that it's not funny. I think that the best the best part of the movie is is the kid who plays Lucas, um, Keith L. Williams, who was on The Last Man on Earth. Um oh, yeah. I think he's the best part of that movie and he's and he's 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 really good in it. Um I, I do think that though you know it it the one liners that they have sometimes feel like they're good one liners and sometimes feel like they're kids reading lines. Um and I think that Cause like there's some funny stuff. Like there's there's this weird thing, running joke in the movie about the specificity of this of the one kid um, who like ev- says who says like everyone knows your mother's cookbook was plagiarized. Or, yes, <laughs> those yeah, lines. I mean, that's
1: a that's a hilarious joke, a uh, running joke.
0: Yeah, that's a great running joke. And it's not. It, I mean, there is some funny stuff in there, but most of the time, I found myself like 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 the, the, the there are certain comedies where you can play a card over and over again, and then it eventually becomes tiring. And the Kid Cursing card is one that I think gets real tiring real fast. And it's the only card in the deck here.
1: Yeah, I I can see that. I I don't think it's, you know, there's not a lot of uh, humor to be derived outside of that, I don't feel like. Which is kind of a shame. I mean, like you you said, those one-liners are great. And some of the stuff that that pops up here and there is great. Like, I thought Stephen Merchant was funny. Yeah. Steven Merchant has a small role. Will Forte. Uh, Will Forte. Um, uh, I forget. Uh, oh, Molly Gordon is in it. And I, I liked some of her stuff. There's I also
0: don't... that that really funny scene with Sam Richardson as a cop that I really oh, like. Oh, yes. That scene. Yeah.
1: Sam Richards. That scene is great. Um, but And you've seen part of that in the trailer, too. Uh-huh. Uh, it, there just doesn't seem to be much really there beyond the cursing kids and that's unfortunate to me
0: and i think that they and i think the 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 i guess the, the way that they play the kids being naive like it, it i think that they don't lean into it enough because i think because like you have the character of of lucas who can't help but be to but like spill the truth in a situation where he's got like no pressure on him oh and yeah i think that 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 is a That is in itself funny, but when they play these kids doing these things, like you know, handling drugs and going in and doing drug deals, basically, like you know, it it just doesn't it it does it clashes with the sort of like sweetness of you know these kids who are good boys, as the title suggests. But are they really like it's art? It's you know, it's (laughs) it just feels like a, a there's a weird juxtaposition going on where where it there's a continuation of clash between how the characters are written, how they look and act and then how they play the part.
1: Yeah, I, and you know, I I feel like uh Jacob Tremblay's character was supposed to be the like the model child and it just seems I, I don't know. There's a lot of disconnect in between like are these kids good or are they just you know, are they bad? I don't. Right. This, that sounds fucking stupid, but it, it, it doesn't really quite all come together. And, you know, there's um, uh, a couple of scenes that really stood out to me as being like not as funny as they should have been, but mm-hmm. a little more sincere. And mm-hmm. I think the the, you know, the stuff with uh, the in the basement, like it feels a little too like teen uh, romancey. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's got jokes in it, but it doesn't it doesn't it's not as funny and outrageous as it should be. And then, um, this stuff with, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's mostly okay, but with, uh, Lil rel, Hallery And, uh, retta as Lucas's parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little too, there's jokes in it, but it's a little too on the nose. Sad. I felt, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was just me, but it doesn't seem to be, you know, it's, there outrageous situations that aren't being played as outrageously as they should be. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. I, it, this it, the movie disappointed me for many reasons because um, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's it kind of misses the mark.
0: Yeah, I, I, it does feel like a missed opportunity, and I just I think I guess on some level I just wish that the the it wasn't failed by its I guess, and again maybe it's casting. I don't I don't know what it is. I just feel like there's just some sort of dissonance happening between what we're seeing on screen and I think what they intended.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh it you know, I don't think anyone seeing it at like even 23 years old would look back 12 years ago like we weren't that stupid and you know, 12 yeah. when when I was 11 years old, you know, there was not you know, you knew about sex and and porn and and you know, you would know what a tampon was you know yeah i mean anyway there's just a lot of uh
0: well and i think it takes away from the movie honestly because i think you're supposed to like like to go for a cheap joke like that at the expense of like come like being like come on really like i i think it, i think it takes away from the movie a bit yeah not in any I... significant way but a, a little bit
1: yeah all right what's your grade for good boys
0: you know, I, I guess I would give it a B minus, but it's a very, very light B minus. Um, I would recommend it if you want a good laugh, but I, it's it's not that great.
1: I, I think I think a B minus is fair. I don't think it's terrible. I think there is some fun to it. Uh, you know, I really like um, certain scenes. I, I, I still really like Molly Gordon. I wish she had a better part. I really liked her in Booksmart too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's. Uh, It's missing something. Not missing enough to to totally torpedo it, but missing something for sure. For sure. All right, let's move on to our last movie, The Amazing Jonathan Documentary. It's very short, very simple. So it ends with, if we just stick to the truth. What's your point to this? What are you saying, Ben? Put your hands together for Amazing Jonathan. The Amazing Jonathan sort of deconstructed magic. He was like a rebel magician. I loved him. I performed in over 100 TV shows, made millions of dollars, and everything came crashing down when I was told I had a year to live. It's not a joke. So my diagnosis with a heart problem was years ago. I'm overdue. Too a little speed now and then. He's never going to quit. I want to go back on the road and do some more shows. He associates the success with the drugs what are we telling him to go back to
0: it's not a good idea what if he died on stage with people laughing because they thought it was part of his bit do you think there's any chance he's fabricating his
1: diagnosis okay so you and i we already know we highly disagree on this one <laughs> uh-huh um so uh just a little background this is a documentary on hulu uh, released this past Friday uh, about the magician-slash-comedian The Amazing Jonathan, who is kind of a... Um, a build as a prankster, magician thing. I, yeah,
0: look, if you had Comedy Central in the late 90s, you know who he is. It was the
1: early 90s, for sure. I saw a shit ton of The Amazing Jonathan on Comedy Central. Uh, I, I, I don't really... Honestly, I never really followed him after that. I know mm-hmm. who he is, but I... I didn't realize all the stuff like he'd had a Vegas residency and, yeah. and, and all that stuff. But anyway, um, this is um, notably one of two high pro- higher profile documentaries about The Amazing Jonathan, mm-hmm. uh, which is a major plot point of this film. So let's, let's go ahead and start talking about it. What did you think of this film?
0: Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to try to tiptoe a little bit because I do think that this movie is, is best seen cold. Um, or as cold as possible to help protect the, the, the things that are revealed in, in the film. Um, obviously, the competing documentaries is a big plot point, um, as, is, as is the eventual um, uh, turn where the director becomes um, involved. Um, yeah, I mean, I, my thing was I kind of took the movie at face value Um, when I was watching it that's how I chose to watch it and and because of that and I think maybe that's where we differ um, because of of the face value part of me watching it I found it to be completely fascinating to watch unfold because the story as it gets deeper and deeper starts to get um, a little like crazier and crazier the the more that becomes unraveled with the story of not only Jonathan, but but ultimately, what the what the documentary becomes is more about the making of the documentary and trying to distinguish and differentiate what is real and what is you know a prank from a prank you know a prankster a a, a magician to where the point of you know the director is questioning what if anything is real, including his illness that he was received where he was given one year to live. And three years later he 's still alive, and so mm-hmm. everything starts to come into question and i and I really love the ambiguity that comes from it um, i normally speaking i 'm not someone who plays in in enjoying ambiguity but but for this i I kind of like coming out of the documentary, not knowing truly what 's real what 's not real um, what 's a fabrication what 's an exaggeration what 's a manipulation. And I think watching it unravel and watching these two kind of play a, a weird cat and mouse game, um, the two being Jonathan and then Ben what, what Ben Berman, I
1: believe is his name, the director. Yeah, Ben, Benjamin, ben Berman, Benjamin Berman, whichever. Yeah, Ben yeah, Berman.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and watching them sort of play off of each other uh, becomes, to me at, at least, a really fascinating thing uh, to watch unravel.
1: Well, okay, here. I'm going to kind of spill the beans a little bit on what's happening here because I think it's important to understand my opinion of this film uh, a few months ago, maybe it was, maybe it was longer than that. I heard uh, from the, uh, I don't know where I'm probably on, on a podcast or something that uh, comedian, Steve Byrne, uh, if you know who Steve Byrne is um, he's, he's a funny LA based comedian who um, was making a documentary about the amazing Jonathan. And when you told me about this film, I thought this is what it was. Mm-hmm. And then I, I watched this, uh, starting Friday. But before that on the, I, I actually heard an interview with Steve Byrne. It was on uh, the radio show, the bonfire on comedy central radio on Sirius XM. And he talked about the process of this film. And he, he mentioned that this is the first time he talked about it being that, uh, the film that's on Hulu is not his film. Mm-hmm. He directed a movie. I don't, I don't remember what it, remember what it's called, but it's been out. Always it, Amazing. Is that what it is? It's it was released on, he put it up on YouTube for free. So you can watch that, that, that was released several months ago. If I write on my mm-hmm. timeline. Anyway, he talked about the film, uh, and he talked about the, the, uh, the process of it. You know, he had known, uh, the amazing Jonathan's, uh, the amazing Jonathan and his manager for a while and decided he pit reached out and wanted to make a documentary. And he said he found out after they had already set up funding and like bought plane tickets and booked all this production stuff. That's when he found out there was already a documentary in progress, which is the documentary that you see here on Hulu. So, uh, you know, not that I'm not that it really matters, um, but he kind of described it as a um a competing documentary as opposed to uh what this film paints his film as, which is like this sort of uh big budgeted usurper coming in with a, a supposedly Oscar winning pedigree behind well, it.
0: And not to not to interrupt your point, but I, I think that that in itself I think speaks to Something that I like about the movie, which is that Jonathan appears someone in this in this in this story is being a master manipulator of what's going on, and it you know it stands to reason that it's Jonathan who is trying to pit these people against each other in some way or make it more of a competition that it is by. You know, Jonathan in the movie icing out one camera crew or, you know, shit talking Ben when he's talking about this supposedly heavy hitter Oscar winning crew, like like something about this. And I think that that kind of like uh, mystery about like who's really doing what to me adds to the intrigue
1: uh, personally. See, okay, that's fine. And, and, you know, from and not to belabor the point about what Steve Byrne was saying he's uh you know his interview was pretty straight faced that he was just trying to make this movie the movie he wanted to make you know he was this as a first time director and that this other guy uh Ben Berman, uh used his um presence there as a plot point in his film uh, against his wishes uh you know cuz you know there's a there's a interview there's uh not an interview but like footage and a, a, a brief conversation with the director of the other film that's heavily blurred and, and, and um, you know, the identity's masked and the voice is changed. And that's Steve Byrne, um, if you don't know. That's Steve Byrne. So that seemed to be, uh, you know, maybe maybe I was colored a little bit by that. Maybe I'm colored a little bit by knowing that Ben Berman is a veteran of um, uh, Tim and Eric projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and other stuff like if you, if you look on the, his shelf when he's showing his dad and his stepmom the movie, uh, in the background there's a Dr. Steve Brule party hat and a John Benjamin has a van Mike flag. Mm-hmm. So this guy is is a veteran of these things that are, you know, kind of this straight faced um, uh, take satires of of actual things. So I have a hard time believing. That this uh, this this his conspiracy theory about the amazing Jonathan, I, I really have a hard time believing he's not involved. And mm-hmm. it really kind of turns because the movie turns into a, a mostly a story about him and making this film mm-hmm. and the other people that are making films. Because, again, not only is Steve Burns film being made at the same time, there's uh, another guy who's like a magician uh, he's not a chainsaw, a magician, juggler, a chainsaw juggler sorry I apologize uh, who's kind of making a movie who seems like he's just sort of dicking around with it yeah and then there's uh some unnamed fourth woman who gave uh, gives uh, Ben Berman her tapes because her funding ran out or something up the plug got pulled on her documentary and you know the, the scene she doesn't she doesn't appear on camera the scene where she where he gets supposedly gets the tapes from her he's carrying a stack of VHS tapes which I'm like fuck yourself go fuck yourself I don't believe you one second because you know these are supposed to be tapes from 2014 and you know the the movie kind of reveals that that Jonathan's been telling the same stories right which I don't think has the impact the film wants I, I don't look and that's a lot of the problem I don't think the film what it's showing you has the impact that you think that it thinks it has I don't think that that showing that a, a celebrity, especially someone who's, you know, a, a multi-millionaire, apparently, from having this run in Vegas, someone who's been on national TV numerous times, who has a, a bunch of famous friends. I don't think watching them give the same answers on a documentary is as revelatory as this film thinks it is. Well, you know, I don't I don't it, think that it paints it as a manipulation. I think it just paints it as this guy knows what he's doing. You know, he
0: but i think but i think the manipulation part is and, and the thing that i find intriguing is the motive like what is his motive in having four documentaries made about him and i think that the and like and there's even a scene in the movie where he's like well if you know why have one documentary when you can have four made about you or you know whatever he says and i think that you know i think that, that the revelatory stuff i think works well for me in certain Doses. I think I, I laughed my ass off every time a new documentary was revealed. I thought that that was great and and well done within the movie. But I think it just and and again the mystery and intrigue of Jonathan as a as a person to where you start questioning everything. I think becomes uh you know part of a really fun th- thing that's unraveling. But also I, I do like the themes that eventually are pulled from it, which are you know. Essentially, you have a situation where Ben and Jonathan are kind of exploiting each other for their own gain. And I think that that theme is actually really interesting. And I think that's when Ben starts doing the internal exploration of that. I actually really like that as well. So turning the camera on himself in a way that I don't feel to me felt self-serving as much as it did an exploration of a theme that's going on.
1: I I just feel like uh, the movie needed an angle and it found it. You know, it wasn't, I don't think this naturally developed one bit. I I just don't, I'm, I totally don't buy it. I mean, it's, it's not even that fascinating of a, of a story. If that, to me, if that's what happened, like, oh, he was manipulating these guys all along. Like, all right, I don't give a shit. Like the, I mean, the, the real kind of big confrontation comes when, when, well, I don't want to give it away, but, you know, there, there's something that, that Ben accuses him of of that seems like a, a, you know, a massive it would be a massive thing if it were true mm-hmm. for his career and, and et cetera. And, and then it just kind of peters out. I just don't think that there's enough here that's shocking, uh, you know, even even at face value. I just feel like I, I've I felt like I saw the seams the whole way through. Yeah. And, you know, maybe maybe I'm a little too informed going into it, you know, maybe, uh, you know, just by chance hearing that Steve Byrne interview and, uh, you know, looking up uh, uh, Ben Berman's credits on IMDb, you know, seeing that he's worked on stuff like, uh, you know, the Tim and Eric Awesome Show and uh, um, Funny or Die and John Benjamin has a van, etc. cetera. Um, you know, it just it, it all kind of it's all kind of the same stuff. You know, he worked on Comedy Bang Bang the tv show uh it just it all feels like a, a an extension of that like i don't buy that he's that he would like there's nothing about his his personality uh, uh or nothing sorry nothing about his resume that i believe that his that he would react the way he reacted to this should it be true i feel like he would be appreciative of it like he would understand it you know but yeah. Something just fell
0: down Sorry Yeah and again my 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 take is is Different in that I feel like I, I feel like at face value And even beyond a little bit because I Look I mean I, I do agree that there is Some attempt to, to Make some sort of uh, Takedown Or reflection of The documentary filmmaking There's a scene in particular where Ben talks to His lawyer about doing something and then tries to do it that just doesn't i doesn't work because there's no I, that, there's that no, is a
1: pointless rambling piece of shit scene. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, it it's it doesn't belong. It it doesn't have any. It ha- doesn't have the impact. But what I think it's trying to do is make a commentary on. Uh, on documentary filmmakers in uh, interjecting themselves or injecting themselves into their films. Now, I think that on that level, I don't know that it's successful. But I chose to take it at face value mostly, and I and like I said, I was I was riveted by how crazy the story kept getting. And I think that's maybe the difference is that I thought the the the, the revelations in the story was fun and um, and sort of like. Um, you know uh, this this mystery that was going on that's that's still not really resolved but um, and I and I had a blast with watching that kind of un, you know unfurl itself
1: yeah I mean I like you know I just think none of it really worked I mean even if even if it was supposed to be a takedown and even if it was supposed to be this kind of um, you know uh, who's tricking who here I just I don't think any of it worked I just don't think any of it came together. I, I'm willing to, to give him the benefit of the doubt uh, on a certain point, you know, that he, you know, didn't know that there were these other documentaries coming in or had been started or whatever. I, I'll give him that. But I think knowing once it was there, then maybe that's the angle they picked uh, mm-hmm. to, to tackle, which I don't, I don't necessarily think is a, is a very funny or interesting angle. I mean, I don't,
0: well, I mean, I, yeah, I, there's there's a certain <clears throat> there's a certain point or uh, element of this movie that that he that could have been debunked in minutes that is stretched out for, you know, <laughs> right. an hour. And I, I'll concede that, you know, I it's I, it, there is definitely stuff that is played up. I just thought it was
1: uh, fascinating to watch. All right. What's your grade for this movie? Uh, B plus for me. Wow. I'm giving this a C minus because it <laughs> pissed me the fuck off.
0: I really uh, wonder how you would have felt had you not. And I was telling you when you were listening to the Steve Byrne interview, I'm like, man, I think it might cloud you because it's it's so it's such a such an integral part of the movie and such a surprise within the movie. If had you not been um, had you not been informed about it, that I feel like. At the very least the the impact of some of the revelations might have been weakened by that
1: it's possible, but I mean, I, you know, this stuff it's it's hard to exist in a vacuum because i I mean, I knew the Steve Byrne movie existed before I heard the interview. so uh, i I don't know. it's it's really hard to say, but I mean, i I think it I just think none of it really none of that stuff really works. Uh, if it's meant to be if it's meant to be a satire of of the documentary process. Then it went way it, it, it went way over my head because it didn't work for me if it's supposed to be this honest uh, look at this thing and, and who this you know trying to if it's a guy trying to figure out if this self-proclaimed master prankster is pranking him then I don't think that works either I mean I just don't think that uh, you know I, I don't know how much the documentary the other documentary crew plays into it um,
0: I think it's more the the thing that plays into it is the lie that surrounds it. I mean...
1: Uh, I guess. I mean, it doesn't even really seem to be a lie, though. Like, ri- it, it's how? D- Wait, maybe I'm thinking... Maybe we're talking about two different things, and I don't want to spoil it. Oh, okay. It. But, um, regardless, there doesn't seem to be a... Oh, oh, oh. You're, you're talking about the production side of this. Yes. Okay, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even bat an eye at that. Like, because I didn't even... That, that's, to me, seemed stupid. And a, a dumb thing to get all weirded out by uh you know and the and the kind of turn that that took I, again i don't know even you know i didn't know that that was not the case because like i said i listened to the steve Byrne interview but it didn't talk about that part so i didn't know that wasn't the case um we're being very vague here uh, obviously yeah. talking about a plot point but there's a there's a, an assertion that this um that this uh our second crew that the the documentary spends a lot of time worrying about is somehow um, better, f- you know, like a, a has a higher pedigree mm-hmm. than they do, and that that's why that they were brought in. But I don't, I just, I don't think that ever really comes together either. I just don't, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Anyway, it's I didn't like the movie, but you know, it's on Hulu if you want to watch it. So anyway, are you planning on watching? Uh, are you uh, planning on watching the Steve Byrne one? Maybe. I would like to see what it what it does because it, apparently it's a little more straight faced, yeah. Uh, from what I'm hearing, and, and you know, it's it's um, you know a comedian interviewing a comedian, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm curious as to how it it came out. I, I might need to give me give myself some space between it because this movie pissed me off <laughs> so much. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's going to do it for this week. I don't know what's coming up next, man. I don't know what we're going to see.
0: Well, I'm actually re- I really want to see Ready or Not, which opens on Wednesday. Oh
1: yeah, the I just saw the first preview for that uh, the other day, and it, now I'm seeing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about that.
0: And then I also watch a Netflix movie that comes out on Wednesday called American Factory. So uh, it's a documentary. So
1: no. yeah. How much on Netflix is documentaries, do you think? Like, what's the percentage of, of when it comes to films?
0: It's a, it's a fair amount. And this was a, this one actually has notoriety because it is the first movie under oh, yes, Barack you know and this... Michelle Obama's production company.
1: I forgot about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I heard about that. All right. Uh, so if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at Cinesnob.net. Find us on Twitter at Cinesnob. Find us on Facebook, Cinesnob.net. Not Cinesnob Critic and it's not net Mm -hmm. um you can um i don't know uh find cody at the theater uh (laughs) he's always at now um trying to scam movie pass for the last few bucks that they have in their pockets
0: yep they will they i they will get every cent out of
1: them (laughs) oh and then uh you can find me at the mall theater because that's where i roll i never thought i'd go back to a mall theater that's how crazy the the world has been because now like the mall theater did I tell you about this I may have talked about this it was a regal oh yeah yeah and it and it stunk and then it closed and then AMC bought it and renovated it and now it's awesome cuz it has all the reclining seats and i
0: wonder if the mall theater is a, is a, is a relic of the past there's only there's only two left in san antonio but i remember going to this is going to be super local, but uh, Rolling Oaks Mall used to have a theater. I think it was even an IMAX theater, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Oh, God. I don't remember Rolling Oaks having a theater.
0: Yeah, because I saw Elf there when I was a... And, <laughs> and I also saw... No, wait. I And I saw Bad Santa there as well.
1: Wow. Uh, so we used to go to uh, Ingram Park Mall, had a theater. Mm. This was years... I saw E.T. there. Wow. I remember that. Um from what I'm told, the like the guts of it are still there. Like none of the you know none of the equipment's there, but like the rooms are still there. Like they use it for storage. Yeah, they're still haunted. Oh, they're haunted by Eddie Murphy saying inappropriate things
0: <laughs> in ET. I, I don't remember that scene.
1: Yeah. Oh well, I just meant in general. I, it was I the got early, you. I was, early eighties. That was a joke. Okay, but here actually both of our malls here have theaters. Huh. So uh, and they're both AMC's. But yeah. the one the the one closest to me here is uh, is nicer because it they put in those reclining seats and um, mm-hmm. I mean and and it I don't know what it is but just being able to walk in uh, to the mall like into one door and buy a ticket and then just walk to the theater it just feels like less of an ordeal than driving to a theater. I
0: can um, see meet,
1: that. I don't know the Alamo Draft House is across the street and it's great too, but uh, you know the reclining seats really seal the deal. And
0: they're getting better and better too. the reclining seats.
1: (laughs) And uh, um, you know, sometimes I don't want to eat a pizza during my, (laughs) and that's, it's always what I'm tempted by at animal draft house. Like, fuck, I'm better to eat some dinner.
0: That's the reclining seats is a trend that I am surprised has taken off the way that it has in the perspective of the movie theater, because the movie theater has to gut a third of their seats in every theater when they do that. And the fact that they're willing to do that is kind of crazy to me.
1: I it makes me wonder like how much they're actually leaving on the table if anything because mm-hmm. you know that we saw uh, Good Boys yesterday afternoon and it was pretty full it wasn't full full but you know it would have been less full in a normal theater but it it you know b- because uh, and I assume they they charge a premium for those reclining seats I don't know what it is figured into it but yeah it's it's an interesting thing uh, you know. I, I think you just have to have reclining seats now. I mean, you just you can't open a new theater with like, oh look, it's got stadium seating. Like, go fuck yourself. I, bl- I blame I mi- blame I blame millennials, right? <laughs> Stupid millennials. I no, I blame old people who don't want to get out. Because I will I mean I've seen some I've seen movies in some shitholes, uh, you know, and no, mostly I don't mind. But uh, when it comes to like the seating being being fancy, like. That's what I want. Like I don't want to. I don't want to be uncomfortable sitting there. I mean, yeah. the rest of the theater could be a fucking hole in the wall piece of shit. So long as I'm not hurting my ass sitting there for for an hour and a half, two hours. Like the goddamn. Uh, um, there's a Regal here that uh, I think has the. I think it's the IMAX screen at the Regal here, and the rows are just so fucking narrow.
0: Well, when I when you and I went to see Endgame, that was at that theater cuz that oh, yeah, that yeah. theater
1: sucked ass with seating. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's the theater we saw in Game at. Yeah. Um you know it's it's so narrow and you can't uh you can't walk by without people getting up. Like it's just a pain in the fucking ass.
0: Like the best thing about the recliners is there's actual walking space to get up but because cuz it's not like the recliners are, are hitting the edge of the of the yeah. row ahead of it. Like there's room to get up and walk and like and it's so much more comfortable. Uh, it's 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 crazy.
1: It is a little weird to walk by a bunch of people like adults laying down. <laughs> to, maybe like, maybe laying for down you. At the, I mean, well, you know, hey, um, it is a little odd, but uh, I've gotten used to it. You're like, oh, this guy's just chilling out here, laying down. Because <laughs> well, I mean, so, like, cause yeah. you can get, you can basically lay down. Oh yeah. Like it's not just it's not just kicking back in a recliner. It's like you're it's like a fucking bed.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're almost completely like lying
1: flat on your back yeah it, the only thing I hate uh about uh the a m c stuff is and i I guess maybe I'm just spoiled by press screenings, but I hate having to sit through twenty minutes of previews nowadays. Yeah. it really sucks it's rough. it really it really knocks the sh- the my dick in the dirt every time i
0: can't like i can't tell you how many times I've been like, oh my god, another one like it's like there's like
1: six <laughs>
0: trailers and you're like, jesus just stop enough
1: we have the internet, god damn it. <laughs> We've all seen it, um yeah, so uh does uh, didn't one of the big theaters there just gut itself and throw in uh um reclining seats, or might
0: they almost that? all have I mean, I think there's only one or two left that don't have recliners across I mean like I th- like so quarry doesn't have recliners, that's still an ancient theater, fuck that theater, yeah, and then Silverado doesn't have them, but I think most of the other theaters in town at this point have recliners in them, Northwest just just put in
1: recliners um good, good lord yeah <laughs> i that's that was a shithole for a long time that i used to go to a lot was oh yeah santicos northwest is it still four is it still just 10 screens or do they ever open up that side thing again
0: no the annex is closed so i think it's just those those 10 theaters right now they're gutting the rialto
1: oh yeah i saw i did see that we're talking hyper local here but, yeah uh yeah um the that reminds me of the the regal uh anna and no, am sorry the northwest annex yeah um uh, my friend and I saw Wayne's World 2 there. <laughs> and I think it was a couple of weeks after release and literally there was no one else in the theater, like in the building. Like we walked in it was like like, you know, our, uh the concessions and shit and like there was just no one there. So we walked in and sat down I'm like, oh huh. It yeah. was a it was a weird thing.
0: Yeah, I only went to that annex like once, and I remember being like, "What is this? Why am I having to walk out of the theater to another room? Like, what is going on here?" Because they weren't—they're not connected at all. You have to no. literally walk outside <laughs> and walk down the street to a
1: different building. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not down the street, but yeah. yes, its it is. It literally—it's—it's it's a weird—it's such a weird thing. Anyway, we've talked enough about this. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we go? Nah. All right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viefanya. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews and more, visit
0: cinesnob.net. See you next week.